Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. Chelsea, we had a little outing last we night. We did. We went to the, let me if I can say this right, because I know there's like 50 shows in this <laughs> franchise. We went to the premiere of the new season on Hey You of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Nailed it. I wasn't across this franchise. Well, I know obviously no. I know who they are. Yes, me too. But admittedly, I had never watched an episode yeah. until last night and I am obsessed. Baptism of fire. Like, yeah. it was a really intense experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like any event where there's cocktails and you get given big sunglasses and chocolate. Yes. But you're going to start watching it now. I yeah? am. I'm actually home alone this weekend and I'm so excited because I think I'm just going to go back and binge, like, a bunch of seasons. Okay, you need to go into the spill group because we have, like, a weird... Oh, not a weird, okay. like, but an intense... Everyone's like, weird? You can talk. <laughs> uh, but an intense fandom around the Housewives franchise. Okay, these are my people. Particularly Beverly Hills, I think. So yes. if you go into the spill group, I'm sure they'd be able to catch you up. Okay, guys, I'm coming in. Okay, coming in hot on the weekend, <laughs> Chelsea. On the show today, Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick are teaming up for a sequel to one of their hit movies, which is very exciting. We're happy to see them back on screen, but it does beg the question... Don't these two ladies absolutely hate each other? That is what the internet has been telling us for years. So we're going to deep dive on that feud and figure out if it's real. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. After a decade of breaking free, I'm so sorry, breaking free from Disney's high school musical franchise, Mr. Troy Bolton himself, Zac Efron, has finally said he would be keen for a return for a potential reboot. So, of course, Efron's career began with a 2006 movie about a high school basketballer who had a secret love of performing, and he then starred in its two sequels, HSM2 and HSM3, which made him a household name and also the number one crush of precisely every girl in my all-girls Catholic high school. <laughs> so in a new interview with E! News, Efron said, of course, when asked about whether he would reprise his role in a reboot. To have an opportunity in any form to go back and work with that team would be so amazing, he said, adding that his heart is still there and he hopes it happens. So... Look, as much as I love this news, because High School Musical was formative for me, I do find it a little bit surprising. It's kind of a change of tune for Efron. He did a couple more musicals early in his career, but then he's really seemed to want to distance himself from this character in this film. And his recent job choices really feel like he's trying to beef up his serious actor, in quote mark, credentials. So he was the only major cast member not to play a major role in the 2020 virtual reunion, whereas co-stars discussed the legacy of the films and they also performed We're All In This Together. But hey, I love this news. I'd absolutely love to see a reboot. 
This one's for the High School Musical 2 fans. I wouldn't bet on it. Sorry. <laughs> Do moi, the notorious anonymous celebrity gossip account with 1.5 million Instagram followers, is getting a TV show, proving that sometimes you can turn asking for celebrity coffee orders into a media <laughs> empire. So this week, Deadline announced that HBO Max has ordered a one-hour drama series based on a non-please. Dumois' upcoming debut novel from Warner Brothers Television and Berlanti Productions, the company behind shows like Riverdale and The Flight Attendant. So according to Deadline, the plot of the book and the series follows an assistant of a celebrity stylist called Cricket Lopez, who turns her old Instagram account into a gossip account on a whim and gets swept up in the madness of her secret life. So side note, I was very taken aback by the name Cricket Lopez. So I actually went on a bit of a deep dive into baby (laughs) name websites. Turns out there were 15 children named Cricket in the United States in 2020. So that's by the by, but just fun fact. So anyway, this is the latest move for Dumois ever-expanding business model. She already has, well, we say she, but we're not too sure who actually We is. just kind of call her she as a caveat for anyone listening. We know that they haven't actually confirmed anything, mm. but she gets called she in a lot of interviews because she weirdly does so many yeah, interviews. She does I feel a lot. like I've listened to so many interviews with this anonymous person who no one knows yeah. who they are, what their face looks like, anything, because they always use a voice modifier and they do get called she every so often. They've never corrected, so mm. I think it's So fine. all points point to she, but yeah. I'm not sure. So, yeah, this is the latest move in her ever-expanding business model. She has the book deal, obviously, merchandise, which she regularly posts on her account, and some very obvious paid promotion for celebrity hotspots like New York's restaurant Carbonet. And so the interesting thing about this, when we were kind of talking about this expanding empire of Dumois, is that, I mean, from an account that started, as far as we know, with the interviews they've given, Dumois said that they were home in the pandemic, living mm-hmm. with their parents, not a lot going on, and they just started this account on a whim. And Dumois, they wish they could change the name because it's just a made-up <laughs> silly was meant to be like a kind of a play on a French fancy mm. word. And they just kept building and building and building, and now it's turned to this huge empire that we know a lot of celebrities follow so many outlets, break stories from it. It's got people out on the streets with their eyes peeled for celebrities in a way that they weren't even Mm. before. And this person is like this huge new power player in the entertainment industry, but we don't know who they are and they have no plans to reveal their identity, which I just find wild. In a way, this has transformed the celebrity gossip landscape. It's kind of democratised gossip. Anyone can sort of be a part of it now. You can share your story of when Henry Cavill was nice to you or you can work in a restaurant and someone comes in and you can reveal if they tipped well or not. Yeah, so that's yeah. really interesting. But I have maybe an unpopular opinion. Okay, hit us with it. There's a rumour, a pretty well-established rumour online that Dumois actually changed ownership at some point last year. Interesting. And I feel like if you followed for a long time, this is all very hypocritical of me, by the way, because I follow intensely. Yeah, so my unpopular opinion is that I don't really like the account anymore. I think it sort of jumped the shark in the past year or so. Oh, interesting. You're saying that as it's kind of taking off Mm. in popularity. Yeah, so it's become a bit of a joke within online fandoms to submit news to Dumois, which is very obviously fake or sort of overly dramatic, and see if she'll post it. And she always does. And so it's very much like a lot of the stuff that gets shared is not true. And I think because of the anonymous way in which the account operates, it's able to like abdicate any responsibility for that, for sharing fake stuff. Some of it's a little bit conspiratorial, a bit problematic. 
And so that ethically makes me feel a little bit icky. That's so interesting because on one hand, if you listen to these interviews that Dumois does about the site, never about their own life at all because they're really worried about giving mm. any clues away except for the fact that it started when they were living at home with mm-hmm. their parents and that some of their friends know who they are, but it's a very tight circle. But they've been very careful about how they publish celebrity news in a way that makes me think that they have some sort of media experience mm. because they talk about there's some stories around rehab and kids that they don't run on the site. They've also said that a lot of celebrities reach out to them. Reality TV stars reach out and say, like, you can put my name on this, mm-hmm. please post mm-hmm. about me. But they've also said a lot of A-list stars have their reps or do it directly, contact them and they're very careful about not posting anything that would get these particular people Mm. offside, which is interesting. I think it's probably why they haven't been sued in any way that we know of yet because some of the stuff that's gone up on there is absolutely wild. And they do put that caveat up before every opening up their submission box saying, like, this isn't being fact-checked, this isn't real, take this with a grain of salt, especially Mm -hmm. the studio exec sections where they write in about Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like this is not – but then so much of the stuff they say on there ends up becoming real. Like, they always know who's going to be on every Vogue cover, Mm -hmm. which makes me think that they know someone at Vogue months before it happens. So that's super interesting. But part of me is like, you're saying it changed ownership. I almost wonder, like, they've built this idea that it's this young girl – who knows about celebrity but is not kind of enchanted by it, who's accidentally built an empire. But is it just three dudes sitting in a room with a business plan? (laughs) I would love that if it comes out and it's like some dude in his 40s who's just like obsessed with like, I know they talk about Shawn Mendes being Dumois' boss because she's always really nice to him. Yes, yes. Like I would just love if it's someone who's just like a huge Shawn Mendes stan or something. Yeah, who's running the account. My kind of final thought on this is like how long can they keep this anonymous identity going? Because if you're such a big power player like this, Mm. it's going to leak eventually, right? Because there's no way that they've got a Spotify deal a TV show deal, a book deal, and all these big advertisers coming on board, the people at the top of these companies must know who this is. You wouldn't just deal with a random legal team for this. So the number of people who are finding out who this is now is growing and expanding, and I just wonder how long they can keep it a secret. So this morning news broke that a sequel to the 2018 mystery comedy film A Simple Favour, which was a pretty big box office hit at the time, is officially in the works. But what's even more surprising is the fact that both Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, the movie's leads, are both returning to reprise their roles. So A Simple Favour is based on the 2017 novel of the same name, and in the movie, Anna Kendrick played a widowed single mother called Stephanie, who also worked as a bit of a mummy blogger or vlogger at the time, and Blake Lively played Emily, who was a fellow school mum with a very glamorous and mysterious lifestyle and an excellent wardrobe, I must say, who Stephanie befriends and they become like a little obsessed with each other. It's all quite weird. But then Emily goes missing and Stephanie has to investigate her disappearance. So Paul Feig, who people would know from movies like Bridesmaids and Spy and The Heat, is returning to direct. So it's all looking good. You know, I love this movie. It's one of my favourite ones to watch on a long-haul flight because it's just so funny and they're both really good in it. So it's good news that there's a sequel in the works. But I think we're all asking the same question. Like every news outlet I saw posting this this morning, I went to the comment section and every there's mm-hmm. hundreds of comments <laughs> all saying, I'm sorry, don't these two actresses hate each other? Wasn't their press tour notoriously bad? And why would they sign on to come back onto this movie if that was true? The movie came out and, as we were saying, it did really well at the box office, but 
before that, they did a joint press tour. So doing so many interviews together. And as the internet and particularly TikTok watched these interviews, Mm -hmm. they began to pick up this idea that the two of them secretly hated each other. And here's something that has followed both of them and all of their other cast members in the years following that. That's right. Jealous. (laughs) That has to be bragging rights, I would assume. Oh my gosh, I would literally like skin her body alive and step into it to be Cinderella. But I would need her voice. Hardcore. It's a problem. I would like need her voice. I can't be a Disney princess ever. Oh, Muffin, it's so So hard being you. (laughs) No, but like I really would really like to be a Disney princess. I'm sure that dream will come true. I'm sure there's because a a dream is a wish your heart makes. Well, I met Blake, I worked with um, her husband Ryan uh, several years ago, so I met Blake a few times through um, Ryan on that film. Got it. And thought she seemed nice, and little did I know. Yeah. Look at the body language experts analyzing this right now. (laughs) (laughs) How quickly do you... Don't touch me. (laughs) How did Blake Lively get her name? My grandmother's brother was named Blake. Oh. But he was murdered. So thanks for asking, Google. She's so dark. Oh! It's a thing on TikTok? Apparently. Oh, really? Um, no, definitely not. I think I think they got on pretty reasonably well, I think. Um, yeah, definitely no friction that I, that I noticed. He okay, keywords are reasonably and that I noticed. <laughs> okay, so it has to be said that as much as there's a few interview snippets that paint them as hating each other, there's also heaps of interviews where they say lovely mm. things about each other, but that's not what people have picked up on. And look, I kind of was on the fence about believing this because I thought these two women, you know, they've grown up doing this. Their whole life is in front of the camera. They would be able to hide the fact that they didn't like each other. So I thought maybe it was like a ploy for the movie. And as far as I know, neither Anna Kendrick or Mm. Blake Lively have denied it in any way. And part of me thinks that it's something that we as a society do because we're a bit shit, where we see these two like successful, beautiful women on a movie together and we instantly just want them to dislike each other. Mm -hmm. But the other side of me thinks, did they play into it? for the sake of the movie in the press tour because notoriously the the pre kind of hype for this movie was done very guerrilla marketing style. I don't know if you remember this, but before the movie was even announced, Blake Lively yeah. archived her entire yeah. Instagram account. She wiped it all. All her beautiful photos. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. she put them back afterwards. She archived it and then she only followed people called Emily Nelson, which is her character in the film. It's a lot of effort. And all these Emilys were like, oh, my God, Blake Lively just followed me? <laughs> and then she started posting, like, text that was leading up and then it was revealed that she was starring in this movie with Anna Kendrick and she was taking on the persona of the mysterious Emily from the movie. So she used this kind of guerrilla marketing thing on her Instagram account to announce the movie. And then that's why I was like, so on this press tour, because what you also couldn't see in those audio grabs is that there's a point where like Blake Lively's patting her on the shoulder and Anna Kendrick like visibly recoils. And there's a point where they're joking, but they're never making eye contact Mm. with each other while they're joking. And it seems very like forced. But also, is that just so that we'd all talk about the movie, which we did? As much as we disavow it and as much as we can acknowledge that it's problematic, there is nothing that gets audiences more interested than like youngish, hot, female celebrities potentially feuding. Yeah, exactly. And one of the kind of big accounts that started this off was that Celebrity Memoir Book Club. It's like a podcast and a Mm -hmm. TikTok account. So they were one of the first accounts to post a compilation of them on their press tour. 
And then they got a lot of backlash for it at the time because everyone was like, you're literally just pitting women against each other. But then that account came back even harder and put up all this evidence that the two of them have a very long history within the industry, which again, we don't know allegedly, Mm. have a very long history in the industry of both being very difficult and hard to work with, which is something we now hear about Anna Kendrick all the time from our old friend Dumois. Yeah, Dumois is really hard on that narrative. It's become so synonymous with Anna Kendrick that is the thing I think about when I think of her name. Yeah, because I used to always think, like, she's one of those actresses who can do, like, a Jennifer Lawrence on her press Mm. tours where she's very good at building a huge amount of headlines and, like, quippy bits and yep. she's a very good interview and she knows how to do a bit and do a joke and play a character so she's one of those actresses where often her press tour can get more coverage than the project she's in which is like mm. a very specific skill that only a few actresses have but I feel like people don't see her as that cute little musical theatre star anymore because these rumours of her being so difficult have taken over that. And then I think the Pitch Perfect stuff didn't help, which I was almost on her side about because everyone's like, in the first Pitch Perfect movie, a lot of headlines that all the girls lived in apartments together and Anna Kendrick got her own house. Oh, yeah. And when she was asked about that in an interview, there was like an awkward silence and like the other cast went really quiet. And then she's like, guys, I'm in every scene. Mm. I cannot be in that party apartment with you when you guys are just doing... You know, a couple of scenes here and there and I have to be on that set 6am every morning, which I thought, fair enough. Yeah. And then there's a whole Leighton Meester thing with Blake Lively. Yeah, people saying like, true. well, if she didn't get along with Leighton Meester, then obviously she's a bitch. Mm, like Leighton Meester's so nice. It's so weird because Blair and Serena, it's kind of like they're the opposites, allegedly. <laughs> but what is interesting to me is the fact that this is a sequel at all. Yeah. I feel like it was a big film. It did like I think ninety seven million on a twenty million budget. So it did pretty, pretty well. well. Yeah. The reviews were better looking back at them now than I remember them being at the time. But I don't really remember this as being like a cultural moment or anything. It felt like it came and went quite quickly. I remember that I wrote quite a glowing review at the time, although sometimes I'm easily <laughs> pleased. I was like, this is a fun time. <laughs> yeah, I think it made more money than they were expecting. Mm. And then it had like a worldwide release that went very well. And I think it's gained a lot of momentum with a bit of a cult status over right, the years. Yeah. That to me makes me think that one of the most infamous celebrity feuds of our time maybe isn't real because neither of these women need yeah, this. why would you come back? I mean, Blake Lightly, I mean, she hasn't had a very good movie run, to be fair. Yeah, Maybe but she, she would need it. Doesn't Anna Kendrick actually... doesn't need it. And Paul Feig mm. doesn't need it at all. So that, that makes me think, if they did hate each other that much and it was such a horrible working environment, why would you sign on to work that intensely together for six months yeah. that it would take to make this movie? Exactly. Look, we're going to get a second press tour. That's the most yes, important thing. True. So we will get an answer. All the body language <laughs> experts have a lot of work ahead of them. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick, and Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. This podcast was made by Mamma Mia, the only women's media company in Australia. If you want to support women's media, we'd love it if you became a Mamma Mia subscriber. There's a link in the show notes. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au 
and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription.